Good Wednesday morning, guys. My name is Jerry Miller. This is Real Talk with Keith Smith on the I Love Seville Network, and it's very great to connect with you on a fall Wednesday morning in downtown Charlottesville. I've been super pumped for today's program. For a few weeks, I've tried to get the uh, guest on today's show on the program. He is just a stand-up guy, a stand-up agent, a stand-up broker, stand-up realtor. Um, Tim Carson is in the house He has nearly 40 years in this business, and not only is he an evangelist of real estate and and being a realtor, but he's an evangelist of training people, getting people up to speed in the business, and a champion of Charlottesville and Almaro County, La Crosse, small business, and in Central Virginia. Um, Judah Wickhauer is our director. If we can go to the studio camera and welcome Keith Smith and Tim Carson to the program. And boys, I am so excited for for this show. I sincerely mean that. Thank you. I'm very honored to be here. It's great to it's great to have you, Keith. I know you're excited as well. Yes, there's a reason why we're calling these Wednesday series "Lessons from Legends," and you are a legend. And we were just before the mics got hot. I forgot we we've done a de- we've been doing this together for a long time. We one of the first homes that I built over at a development I did. Oh my God, in '97, '98, you yep. you brought the buyer. And, I did, and. Uh, and you still came here to talk to me. I Look did. at that. Huh? Yes. Hey, you're a New Yorker. I grew up with them. <laughs> how did the process go? Were they happy at least? It was good, and yeah. you did a good job, and I liked how you were open to their needs, but you held tight to your standards. There you go. The Stop. third commercial deal I ever did personally, ever, in the history of our portfolio, this man um, representing the seller, I was uh, representing myself, and I will be very straightforward, very uh, young at my time then in real estate, and, and Tim and his, uh, I believe he's still your assistant, Jeff Cheers. Yes. Uh, you guys were class, man. You, you. You took the deal from start to finish. There were no roadblocks. You did what a deal maker was supposed to do, transparency, communication, and keep the deal moving forward two steps every day. I was like, I was very impressed with your professionalism throughout that entire experience. Thank you. I'm so pleased to hear that. Yeah, well, you know, you were great to work with because it's really easy for a broker to work with somebody who's direct and tells you what they want and need. Oh, God, isn't that a rarity, huh? Mm-hmm. So the four or five people who don't know you, why don't you tell yourself a little bit about yourself real quick, <laughs> where you're from. I know everybody said you've been here for 37 years, but take a few seconds and give yourself okay. a plug. Yeah, so I was born and raised in North Garden. My father came down from Long Island when they moved to Spurry Marine Plant. He was an engineer, did the periscopes, uh, that big tower out there at North of Grumman. I remember he built that when I was a kid. Um, and then they were big volunteers in the community. Dad was a Boy Scout leader. He helped start the fire department. He was a Ruritan club. Mom was a 4-H leader. And so I came from a, you know, a, a family of volunteerism and serving the community. And I went to Albemarle High School and then um, went to school for a little bit. And I was telling you, my grandmother died when I was young and left me a little teeny bit of enough money when I, from Fire Island sale to go into real estate. At a, I went into real estate at eight years old. That's why uh, I look young still, hopefully. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and then started... Uh, so I was in real estate before the internet, before you could fax. You had a book, right? We had a book. Actually, yeah. we would do Western Union deals. Like if you had to make a deal, you'd send a Western Union telegram. Uh, we didn't have MLS, any of that stuff. And so it was interesting. Uh, Jeff Gaffney is always telling me I'm the dinosaur that evolved. And so I guess I am. I don't know, but I still love it. Um, and then, you know, I went to work with Jim Manley. Uh, he was a big time. He was a 1972 
Virginia Realtors Association Salesperson of the Year, an AT&T guy, and a hard-charging, tough dude from West Virginia. And he and I clicked immediately. You know, I was sort of like his golden boy, but I just did everything he asked me to do. I remember my first year, I was making all the deals, leading the sales and stuff. And uh, everybody in the office was like, what are you doing? You got special treatment. I'm like, no, no, he actually has a book, and it tells you what to do. And I, like, did those things, and they work. It's, it's amazing how yeah. you just do what you're supposed to do. I just did it, it and worked. then when I had trouble, I went to him. So I think that's the biggest key in getting in real estate is having a mentor and enthusiasm and energy. And so then Do you I, see that a lot now? I see the enthusiasm. I don't see people working out like the foundational um, yeah. needs of their, their character to be the best they can be, sort of. So one of the things that excited me about today is, is we've been in this almost the same amount of time yeah. on yeah. that end of it. And also you do a little bit of commercial, you do a little bit mm-hmm. of residential, so yes. you're very well, well-rounded in that. And property management. And property management. And so. land. And yeah. land. <laughs> and land. Anything else? Yeah, <laughs> I do some. I do. I'm, I've got a new twist. Any magic I, tricks or anything? Like I'm that? doing. Pro, I do project management now of apartment renovations for a really? fee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm now EPA approved for lead-based paint renovations. Really? Mm-hmm. Look at you, man. I'm learning stuff sitting here talking, <laughs> talking to you. Leonard Kaysen, very nice family. The Carsons. I've known them my entire life. Vanessa Parkell in Earliesville yep. is giving you big time props right now. Ivy Haynes watching the program. I see a boatload of Real Estate Three watching the show. Ray Cadell watching the program right now. Stephanie Wells Rhodes um, watching the program right now. Oh, and wow. Stephanie is leaving some comments. I can remember at Interstate driving the WDI reports and hand delivering them to all the local attorneys back in the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's uh-huh. watching the Interstate yep. family right there. Yep. Yep. And then just long story short, so I ended up going with Jim Manley, and I was with him 24 years. And uh, then he got cancer. I ran his company. We remodeled the building. Um, that, Betty Duncan, Jimmy Duncan's mother, was an integral part of that. And, wow. uh, and then when he died, Jim Manley had given me first right of refusal, but he had told me before he died, Tim, no matter what you do, don't own a company because you're too good at what you do with serving people and you'll make more money. So I didn't want to buy it. And then Judy Savage, I was on the board of directors with her, and she came to me and said, Tim, I, I would like you to be my managing broker. And so I went over there for three years, and that was really fun. She's an amazing lady. And I was always really tight with her. And that, that, that company had a lot of top producers like Marjorie Adams and different people, and it was fun. And then she decided to retire, and I wasn't sure what I was going to do exactly, but I felt I had a, 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 a skill that I could help mentor, manage, train, but I didn't want to run an office. So I remember I, went, I talked to Steve McClain. God, that's the one to mention that him because he was one of the people I looked to in the mm. business that I admired so much, and I, you know, prayers and blessings for his yeah. family Amen. since he passed. But then, you know, I, I kind of had narrowed down to a couple companies, him, and then Jeff Gaffney I was on the board with, and he came to me and said, come over here, be vice president, and then we've got a franchise, and you run a Century 21, a Remax, and I have all this stuff I like, could help you with. And so I went over there, uh, been there 10 years, and uh, it was, it's been a blessing because I get to work with Pat Whithelm, who is one of the most amazing people ever in real estate. Ten years with Real Estate Three, mm-hmm. and uh, and Tealy Jennifer is really amazing Pat, trainer. Pat's, Pat's a pistol, isn't she? She's amazing, yeah. and I, I love going in there and uh, giving her a hard time. And then Jeff's the CEO. I'm vice president. Um, and when I got over there, I was charged to help them understand how to use the Better Homes and Gardens franchise. And then I was charged with how to get out of it when we had an opportunity because I f- we figured out that we could provide some of the services that that franchise provided. 
and we were able to give our agents a better deal. Now, I will say that I have a great respect for both the Keller Williams and Remax franchises. They're really a great business model, and I love them. And I also could have seen myself working there. You know, and um, well, thank you for saying that. Along with Nest, I like Nest and some of the other companies. But anyway, you got them all watching. Yeah. Long story short, is it was a perfect fit for me because I I can make a difference with the company. I can sell, and I guess what Jeff said is they wanted a general patent to be in the field. So you know, since I went over there, Jeff went back into selling, and he's really amazing guy. And I love Jeff, um, and we work together really well. We both are very competitive and. We help uh, each other. So that's kind of my, my deal. I, I started doing investment properties. That's what I became specialized in. My mentor said, do residential. I grew up on a farm, 230 acres, so I learned land. Um, I also had a certification in the 90s to sell businesses. And then uh, I also was a HUD agent. I was a short sale agent. I was a foreclosure agent with um, uh, Skyscraft somebody else and so I did all those I was also one of the reload agents for State Farm so I've done all those things and like kind of where I've I also represented one builder for like 10 or 12 years so I kind of you're well rounded I have say. a lot of investors so eight years ago I helped start the property management um, and so to answer your question now what I do now is I I had so many investors bought property they're like we want you to manage them I'm like well okay well I'd done it so now I manage 125 rented units that are a mixture of commercial and small commercial, and mostly what I focus on is like multifamily. Like a lady called me yesterday, Tim, please take my eight units. So I'm really good at taking, most people don't sell rental properties unless they have a financial need or they're exhausted by them or they haven't kept them up to the market standards. So I'm really good at that. So that's kind of that's where we're at. And I have a team of four guys, Jack Crocker, Jeff Cheers, Ted Wooten, and Peter Garland, who are my assistants. They work just for me. And our business model is a little different. I know Keller Williams, you've got like the team leader and all that. Well, it's my circus and they're my monkeys. <laughs> I'm it. Like when people come to me, they get me and they don't get those guys, even though two of them are, are, are um, agents. Realtors, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's Jack's where, a that's, realtor. Yeah, and he came to me from Judy's team. And so yeah. that's kind of who I am. I, 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 I just love this. I, I, I just breathe it. I love it. I love helping people, and that's kind of where I'm at. The most successful love people it. in our industry, that's exactly what they say. It's all about the love, and they love to do it. So I tried to keep a bunch of notes through this because there was a lot to, lot to dive into. I'm sorry. His page uh, is blowing up right now. Uh, but I, I kind of want to step back for a second. We're in the process of and probably going to with all this pending stuff that's happening in our industry in the middle of an O-shift moment, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. We, we are going to be different the way we do business 12, 24 months from now than we have in the past. So what's the big difference between when you started with the – I think it was a chisel you said, right? Yeah, you started right. with a chisel, yeah, yeah, right yeah. contracts yeah. and all that stuff on a mm-hmm. tablet mm-hmm. to now. What's the biggest change and what are you seeing happening down in the future that's going to deeply impact – how we do business. So I think one thing hasn't changed, and I think the biggest issue with agents is their distractions. The, they have to be focused. And so agents, as soon as they get busy, they stop prospecting. So in my mind, that's not going to change. If anything, that's going to be, become more relevant. Um, and so, you know, I think that agents need to, like, I have a focus of four things that I should be doing every day, and I have them written down, and that's what I look at every morning. That's listing presentations, showing homes, qualified buyers closing deals, and writing contracts. So if I'm not doing those four things, I'm not really doing anything. Matter of fact, Jack 
gets irritated with me a lot, but when I was at, with Judy Savage, I was her managing broker. He came in as a new agent, and I helped him three or four months. And he, he would come in every Friday, and he's like, I said, well, what did you do this week? And he said, well, I did this, I did this, I did that, and I did that. I'm like, did you get a listing? No. Did you make a sale? No. I said, well, you didn't do anything. <laughs> so if, if you can tag Michael Guthrie, at 5.30 in the morning, these three things show up, and these came from Michael. Um, be professional, be trustworthy, and be caring. That's what I strive to do yes. every day is be a pro, Yep. be trustworthy, and Absolutely. care about what other people want. And I think if you focus on those three things, no matter what the market is, yep. you'll do well, and you'll, you will succeed. But, you know, we're, we're, we're about ready to go through a seismic shift here. I agree with you. And, and do you think our agent pool is ready for that? No. So how and can we help them? Characterize the, the seismic shift first. I think that, um, so ever since I've been in business, and even during the last recession, when I was on the board, we brought all the agents in to try to get their feedback so we could, as an association, be productive to them. And the, even then, there was 100 agents who did 84% of the volume. Yeah. So what we're finding, from what I've read and what I see, is the percentage of agents that do most of the volume is is getting smaller and smaller and It's smaller. going from 10 to 5%. Maybe down to 2%. Tommy Brannick used to say in 2008... 10% of the agents do 90% of the business. And that 10% number is shrinking. Right. And it's shrinking quickly. Right. I agree with you. And I think, so that's why, like, I made the shift a couple years ago to bring in a couple of assistants so that I could work Huge. more with more people myself. Because that they don't come. Most agents struggle with that, right? Because they do. The, you know, as a recovering developer and builder, I'm class, I love to delegate. Right. Because right. you can't build 600 houses without no. having multiple people do multiple things and then right. trust them. So that's a huge shift for an agent. Well, and I also think one of the big problems that agents have is they get distracted. So, like, I'm big into trying to build a better mousetrap. But, like, what I do is I do that during nonproductive time. Like, Jerry and I were talking about it. I might sit down at night from 10 to midnight and study seven different uh, CRMs or like I have a closing contact manager that searches my email and then finds a deal and then pulls all the emails and attachments into one file. It takes me three minutes. And finding things that help you be streamlined and more efficient. Being efficient, not wasting time, and spending most of your time with people. My mentor used to say, never get dressed up, don't get dressed up and never leave home. You know, so I'm, and I taught my daughter, go to goal. You have to go to goal. She was a standout at Old Dominion University, played yep. lacrosse, his she's, daughter. She scored oh, wow. 260 goals at Now Alabama. she's a coach. Coach. She made honorable mention All-American, Old Dominion, led in the NCAAs. That's and, right. Uh, deck, ten, oh, she's on a decade, all-decade team for the Atlantic Sun. Yeah, she's coaching Nansma Suffolk. But I taught her go to goal. So that's the problem. My mentor used to be like, go to goal. And I think one of my funniest stories ever my second month, I was with Jim Manley. He had a computer up on the wall, in a box. I'm like, what's that up there? He's like, well, that's the best computer you can get. Century 21, they told us to buy it. It cost me six grand. He's like, how does it work? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, can I learn? So I took it down, put all the disk in. I found a program on there that did investment analysis, and then it did, like, uh, mailings. So I go to the down and buy all the tax records from the city and bring them back, and I pay somebody five cents a name to put them all in the damn thing because you couldn't export the data. And then I started printing letters. Well, I get like 100, 200 letters, and his wonderful wife, Douglas Manley, who's passed away, she was amazing. She'd been a bit, she looked at my letter and said, you can't send that. It's got a typo. And I'm like, oh, because I am a little fast and impatient, and I won the sixth grade spelling bee. I still spell at that level. But long story <laughs> short is, you know, I'm like, okay. So Jim Manley walks in there. He's like, well, send it out. Go to goal. 
you know, to help with that because, like, maybe a Ph.D. in English won't buy from Tim. Everybody else will. And so I think that's the key is people wait to get too perfect. You just got to do it. Just get out there. Never let, right, never let per- good get in the way of perfect. Yes. Perfection right. is the enemy of profitability and productivity. Thank you. But, but are you – this is something that I'm not seeing, and I'd love to see get your read on it and just kind of hone in back in on this mentorship and this, uh, you know, this uh, apprenticeship or yes. helping young agents learn. I know there's classes and I know all this stuff, mm. but I know when I got into it, you know, there was always people. Tom Marachi is, is, yes. is a name that pops up that helped yeah. mentoring and coaching. I have Yona who mentors and coaches me yes. like for every 30 seconds, but uh, for very good reason. So you, are, you, are you starting to see that shift happen to that that model again where people are trying to help coach and mentor other agents? I, I, I see it, but also what I think the key ingredient there is it's like it's the, is the agent coachable? It's yeah. no different than a player. Like when my, da- my daughter made like ESPN's top 10 in high school and we went and played in a national tournament during the women's final four and I was on the sideline with like 70 coaches. I went up to the Loyola coach, Jen Adams, who was like MVP for Maryland. I was like, what's the one thing you're looking for in a high school athlete? She said, well, I like them to play more one sport, but I want to see what they do when they get beat. What if they got a mistake? So, like, I think the biggest issue with these younger agents, and I'm going to point two of them out that are, like, amazing at this, is Josh Tracy. He's watching. Mozzie, you know. Yeah. And and Ivy Haynes, all of them. Yeah. They're not willing to, like, just take an answer. They're going to, like, ask the answer, and then they're going to come to you and say, I need the help. Josh will text me. Well, I saw you on, At Vivace. on a Thursday night. He yeah. messaged me and said, I got this weird deal. And I said, well, let's get a beer and have two, kill bird, two birds with one stone. And we worked out a deal for him. So I think the mentorship is, first of all, it has to be somebody that's actually a mentor, right? Because, or have the ability to do Thank it. you. And, and has knowledge and experience. But then that person has to want to be mentored. As I've just seen too many people that are arrogant. I am finding the younger agents that are coming into this market. You mentioned Ivy Haynes, mm-hmm. pr- prime example. Awesome lady. Um, wants to learn, wants to be mentored, Thank wants you. to be coached, yes. wants to be, hey, how can we do this Do this better? How can we take care of And those will be that. I, I just took a look real quickly from year to date at the stats mm-hmm. of volume. Mm-hmm. So from 5 million and up, mm-hmm. right, there was uh, 307 agents that sold Five million and up, and then when you start getting to the ten million number, you know, which is which is a big number, mm-hmm. it uh, it is like uh, less than a hundred. Yeah. Excuse me, a hundred. Ten million is one hundred and thirteen out of what thirteen hundred realtors. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. whatever that percentage. Less turns, than ten percent. Whatever right. that percent. Yeah. Well, it's less than. Right. Yeah. Right. Less than ten percent. Right. So. Right. You know, one would consider, you know, $5 million is kind of, if you're not making $5 million in sales, it's pretty hard to make a living right. at this business. Right. $10 right. Million up, you're doing well right. on that end of it. So there's only 113 that are making, at the moment, $10 right. million and up. And they so, also got to think outside the box because, like, I do a lot of off-market deals. Sure. And also, like, I've do been Do you post known, them? Huh? Do you do them as comps only when in the MLS? Sometimes. Yeah. I have one with UVA yeah. right now that's like a $5.5 million commercial yeah. deal yeah, that yeah. they're buying. Well, commercial's a different story. Yeah. But, but, um, but also, you know, part of that whole thing with being mentored is... 20 and million up is only 32. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. I think the mentor thing, though, is, is, that, is the person that you're going to be receiving that knowledge from, are they available to you? 
So, you know, that's why, like, what you, you do in your company, you've, you've got some really unique people in your company. We've got unique people in our company. So, you know, if Josh has a question, you know, he might go to Pat, even though we all know it. He might go to her over a legal thing. He might go to Teeley over something or go to me. But then he's got four of us that are available, you know, and the same thing with you and your wife and then some other people, uh, Donna and other people. So, but... Olga's watching in Puerto Rico. I love Olga. She's giving you guys some props right now. She says, Pat is amazing, amazing lady. She gives uh, Tim props. Hello, Tim. You're getting love right now from Jimmy Gilbert, Mary Beth Winslow, uh, Jeff Gaffney watching the program right now. I'm seeing seven different real estate firms on the show. Keith just gave a fantastic statistic. 20 million and up in sales volume, 32 agents. He just looked it up right there. Mm -hmm. That's 2.5% of the car roster. 2.5% 2.5% of the car as roster of today. as yep. of today is yep. doing 20 million and up. Viewers and listeners, you can ask questions to Tim and Keith. You can give them props by putting it in the feed. John Blair watching the show right now. Questions are coming in. Keith, jump in and I'll get so, to the questions. So I'm going to ask you the question that everybody's been asking and we've been talking about uh, this. It's the I word, I right? Feel you. Inventory, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So watch, we've got crystal balls here. For some reason, we always forget to set them up. So, but what is your crystal ball telling you on where inventory is going to track in 2024? Because look, let's face it, 2023 is just going to kind of creep along, yes. right? It's going to be what mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And 2024 might be somewhat of a different year depending on rates. So what is your crystal ball saying for inventory and the market for 2024? I think it's going to be similar. Me too. Same as 23. Mm-hmm. Similar. Yeah. I, th- I think the key is you go off market and you try to make more deals. Now, you know, so if you're... For those who don't understand off market who is watching it, mm-hmm. I mean, it's self-explanatory, mm-hmm. but take a second and explain the difference between on market and off market. Well, I'll give you a good example. I, I've gone into the tax records recently and scraped a thousand names and addresses off the records and sent out actual snail mail to people. Dude, we have, this is no BS for a number of our clients. I have the entire database for the all of Glenmore, mm-hmm. literally on that computer right there, in a file, mm-hmm. the entire snail mail mailing addresses for Bel Air, Edna, Edna Force, and Farmington mm-hmm. sitting in a file right there mm-hmm. for clients. Mm-hmm. I have the Ivy Road corridor from the <laughs> Boar's Head to mm-hmm. Dooners yep. sitting in a file right there. And anytime they want to contact us and they want to do direct mail to these people, happy to do it for you. I provide that service. No problem at all. See, and, th- and that works. So oh, back, my God, it works. So back to snail. That mail, works. Right? Mm-hmm. Yona, and, and we, we've been doing this forever, and Me this too. is just old Point school. Um, you know, writing handwritten notes to people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Unbelievable. Um, it's Christmas. Mm-hmm. Right? So any agent out there that's listening, and if you've got a 10-person database or a 100-person mm-hmm. or a 1,000-person database, pick your top 20, 30, whatever it is, and write them handwritten notes, you will get a deal. Right. Guarantee it. Absolutely. And, you know, all this other junk on this phone, Yep. go back to old school, write a note, send it to them. Totally. It's amazing how many phone calls you get back. Thank you. It was well, like and you know what else? You know how many times that I have, like, dropped the ball a little bit because I've been so busy? I didn't, I didn't do something I'd like to get a lead information to somebody. But still, I keep track of it. And then I might have my assistant call up or I'll call them and say, hey, you know what? We didn't get that to you, but would, are you still interested? So also, you know, expired listings, you know, focusing. Like, I sold a trailer park in Elkton was off market because the guy already had one little trailer park which that was an interesting thing during pandemic i sold one little seven unit trailer park and we convert them all to like many little houses and put section eight people and took trailer rents from 700 to 1250 a month so there's a lot of stuff you can do that's cool but like so that kind of stuff like you actually actually like there's a there's this thing you drive with the wheels you get in that 
and you drive around. You it's know, kinda, just sit. It's kind of like this is a yeah, phone too, right? Right. right. You know, and you know, it's not as productive. But you don't just sit in the office and be like, "Oh wow, I wish you know I had business." You like, go out and find a business. You know, go out and see what's happening. So I think our inventory crunch, and I've, I've been saying it for for quite some time, mm-hmm. is five to ten years out. And I think we're closer to ten years out from inventory flipping only because we got so many units to make up right and and so many people at sub four per 80 percent of homeowners have an interest rate of four percent or below yeah i agree 80 percent that is a, a, a fact yeah. look it up ladies and gentlemen 80 percent four percent or below why would these folks give up that financing vehicle right and the largest buying cohort is coming in yeah 170 million of them mm-hmm you and I, because I think we're about in the same age group, mm-hmm. right, yes. are, is getting smaller. We're about $60 million, and each year we get a little bit less. Right. So I, I just think we're going to be at, at an inventory crunch. The second question, price is going to go down next year? No. Yeah. And okay. I also think some of these people, the reason that I could show them why they should do that is we, I could run a five-year cash flow projection on the home they're in. As You're a talking rental. sell their house and give up that financing no. vehicle? No. What are you talking Rent their house if yeah, they yeah. haven't buy there a second home. Dude, I, I've been... I can do a five-year cash flow projection and show people like 15 20% return after I've said tax. there's an there's econ, PhD, UVA professor that literally watches our shows every single day and sends direct messages to me that are 3,000-word yep. analysis white papers yep. saying the next trend that's going to happen is homeowners with massive stacks of equity and financing vehicles that are sub-4%. Mm-hmm not selling their houses, renting their houses instead, and then taking advantage of the equity to buy the next house. Absolutely. And then the second key component of that is to set yourself a calendar reminder. Because if you live in your house under the current tax law two of the last five years, you can sell it as a principal residence. So therefore, one of the things you could do is do that. And then when you're still in that timeline where you could go back and sell that house and not pay capital gains, you also could possibly make sure you get a loan on the new property where you can recast the loan. So that then you can take the equity, move it, and you can reduce your payments. You must be reading his DMs to me. That's literally what... No, I know you're not. But I know 100% you're not. That's literally what this PhD just said. Oh, well... He's literally saying that's the next trend. I'm a PFA, plucked from air. (laughs) You got street smarts, which you got. You got street smarts. So I've been doing this since 87. When did you start? 85. 85. Mm -hmm. Interest rates were 13. My first deal, 13. My first I have to say this because I have to. My first house was 18% that I bought. I, I did one of those. <laughs> so, but every real estate market is different. We've been through enough of them. Yes, sir. Right? Uh, but this one is, but they all have some similarities to it, right? Unemployment, inflation, you know, so forth, supply and demand. But we've never been in a situation where there's these homes that will not come on the market for 3% mm-hmm. or are not going to come on the market for a long time. And we've never really been in a, a situation where this equity has exploded yes. in so many years. So those two factors and plus the normal cycle of not houses getting built and so forth and so on. I mean, we're in, you know, we're in a pretty good business for the next five to 10 years, if yep. not more than that. But what, what, you know, what thing or two things or three things, whatever you think is appropriate, has to happen to open this uh, log jam, in your opinion? Well, I could pick one thing, but they would never do it. And that would be that, like, VDOT and Almoral County should get together, and they should together pick up areas in the urban ring and create a new zoning guideline that allows for rural development. And they should do it based on the roads and um, and the infrastructure as far as the schools and stuff. And they could just go and do one-and-a-half-acre lots 
They could even give tax credits for like environmental septics and things like that. And they could explode with a zillion rural area properties is what people want. That's just my view. I don't think that's going to happen. Call me crazy. The political so, capital's not there for that. So, I know it won't. Yeah, but that's yeah. what should happen. So there's this bridge in Brooklyn. I got a really good deal on. Thank it. you. Thank you. But I know that won't happen. So yeah, I think I think they that, won't expand the five percent. No, not they won't. Happen. No, they straight up said in the last board of supervisor meeting it was not going to happen. Yeah. I know it, but that's what yeah. should happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I could tell you a story about how, like how that's damaged people with the. The ruling back in the 80s where, the, you know, you can only divide your land five times in your lifetime that's and a lot exactly smaller right. than 21 acres. That's what created the problem. So anyway, I think that uh, I think that the real problem is that people are tired of they have to be forced to live in a townhome, too. So that's why you're seeing like Zions and other areas explode. So I think I think you're going to continue to see other counties, you know, exploding that are. Uh, how about if rates drop? I, I, I got it. What no. happens if rates drop? Oh, Zillow said Zillow, Zillow did a survey of tens of thousands of American homeowners, and the survey indicated yep. that rates would have to fall between 5% and 5.5% for people to get out of the golden handcuffs effect, which is all of us that have the sub-4% right. financing vehicle. Right. I think it's closer to yep. 6%. Yep. But That's what Zillow says. Yep. What do you think would happen in that scenario? I, I think we'd get back into more of a normal market, like an even market. I also think that we can't think too long-term because as you've been in business forever, we have a presidential election year coming up. Oh, yeah. And that's going to – we really don't know what's going to happen. Sure. And so I think that's going to affect things. You know, and there's a lot of manipulation that goes on at that level. Well, uh, I'll do a little pushback on the outside counties. Yeah. Um, these rural jurisdictions are not approving projects. Right. Um, so, I, you know, the Green County, we, we talked on, Friday, on Monday about that, is kind of in a catbird seat because they've got about 1,800 lots. And right. there's another project with another 500. So they probably could produce anywhere between 2,000 and 2,200 mm-hmm. homes in the next five to ten years, right, yep. over, over the course of time. Uh, but I don't, I don't see it happening in Fulvana. No. Actually, and I'll share this with Jerry uh, later, but we're going to do a show with the Palmyra district uh, folks running in, my, in Fulvana County mm-hmm. that one is for housing and one is against, and we're going to have them sit in these seats yep. and talk about it a, a little bit. Yeah, I have an out-of-state developer who tried to look at Fulvana and decided not to go there. For the political reasons. Correct. Absolutely. And so I agree with you on that. What I'm thinking, though, is that there are smaller lot like in Green County, I believe the minimum lot size is an acre and a half. I think that will help a little bit. We can see development of more rural lots. So Green County, I'll jump in there for a second. Green mm-hmm. County is a bit unique. They're, uh, Zoning. If, mm-hmm. if they're in a growth area, yeah. it's only 10,000 10, square foot lots mm-hmm. are allowed mm-hmm. by right. right. If that has water sewer. I think. It has to have water sewer. Yeah. It's got to be in a growth yeah. area. Yeah, I'm thinking. So, so I think, and I, then I think like what we talked about a little bit earlier before the show, I think that the city thing is a has many different issues. You're talking upzoning? Yeah. Okay, I love I would love your take on upzoning in the city and yep. the impact that's going to have on the city, Almore County and the region. So, I brought an example of like before and after of what you could do on an acre lot that I have put on the market for sale. Okay. Um, personally, I think the I think the um, the focus of this upzoning is correct, but I think that it's uh, execution? It, execution, and I think that the result of it is going to be a bad thing overall. You know, like even though I'm a realtor, I'm supposed to like development. And so a good example of that is I have a duplex for sale on Washington, which is off of JPA. And I put it on the market, and, and the reason was because the owner, along with eight other people, sued the city for that 600-unit building. Right. Well, then I've had four contracts on it, and everybody's not wanting to buy it because it's right across the street from the only entrance. My opinion is somebody should buy it because 
if they buy now, they'll get through the the um, all that building and stuff like that. Plus, this property has an extra cottage kind of sitting on it. You can get three units pretty easy. But anyway, long story short is, I think like this is an example. This Ridge Street property I have, which is an acre, right now under the current zoning, it's an R two zoning. That was actually down zone from an R three. Yeah. And during pandemic, that those people came to me, and it was ten rental units and over an acre of land. And I immediately noticed that. The problem was you had two different buyers, right? So I had them go and we did a, a, a re, we redefined the lot boundary. We did a boundary adjustment and we made the lots on the three, on the 10, the six, eight rental units at 506, 508, and five, 506, 510. We made those be minimum lots and then I immediately sold that myself first week in the pandemic to a doctor from D.C. for a million two, and then that left us with the residue, which was a whole acre, like that's what it looks like now, and it's an acre with a duplex fronting on ridge. So under the current zoning, Scott Collins helped me, engineering, and he came up with 51 rental units or apartments we could build there. But with the new zoning proposal, you're talking a minimum lot size of 2,500 with up to eight units. So that's not realistic. So do you think... But think about that. So Jerry and I have a little bit of a bet. I'm, I'm taking it that I think this zoning rewrite will be done by the end of the year. I'm probably going to lose because it's a little bit close to the end of the mm -hmm. year on, on that end of it. Uh, I've, uh, you know, I'm a housing advocate. I yeah, think me too. housing is good. Yes, sir. Um, this plan is not going to give us what that plan says it's going to give us. I, We're I not going to end up a lot. And I'll give you an example of that. I, I was texting Neil Williamson this morning. There's a whole implementation process of this that nobody's talking about. Yeah. So the land trust, which I chair, yes. is four units on Nassau Street. Mm -hmm. We have $18,000 sitting in a bond that we've been trying to get back for four years. Oh, my Lord. And every time we try to get it back, we have to do more engineering mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. So we've actually got to the point is to keep the $18,000 because it's costing me more money right, who cares? to get it, keep the $18,000, and we're moving on. But a land trust, an affordable housing land trust mm -hmm. provider, I, we can't get $18,000. It's actually almost $20,000 back, which would be huge for us. Right. right? We could do huge things with that. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole part of this that nobody's really thinking through and right. it's going to be a very slow process i agree and even anywhere. like this property my client and i went down to the city and he he at one point in the past was a mayor of charlottesville so he he's connected somewhat we went to the city and we were going to apply for a rezoning and we went down there so we're r2 if we go r3 we get higher density higher density that'd be easier to get especially if we did something that was sort of in the same character as the neighborhood and they were like, well, you can put that in right now. But so, okay, so which, what do we do? Do we apply under the current zoning? And what happens with that? And then, or do we apply with the future zoning? So they're, they're, it's, they're even creating a problem right now with they're going to create an extra backlog because what do you do? What do you Plus the for? debt service, the carrying costs. Thank you. And, yeah. and if you read Neil Williamson's uh, writings that he just put out today, there's a million-dollar penalty uh -huh. that's going to be paid if it's not affordable housing. So that's just not going to happen. No. No. Or eventually, you know, the unit's going to be at such a price that they can absorb, just like we can absorb the 20. Yes. They're going to absorb the million, yep. and it's just going to get passed. Well, if it helps you, we'll, we'll carry some paper on that while you're getting it approved. And we'll call, Are we we'll doing a deal? We'll talk, participate in the application as a co-applicant. Can we do that live? Are we allowed to do a deal live? Let's do it. Of course okay. you can do a I'm deal live. I'm in. Patricia <laughs> Irby watching the program right now. She's a realtor. She wants to know from Tim and Keith, how does car count teams in sales volume Versus solo agents. 
Well, that's a great question. Um, I'll have to look. The franchises do it different. Like when I was running Judy's, we would give awards for a team versus an agent. Uh, yeah, but I think I think the question is is how does this on the twenty million work? sales volume statistic you gave? Yeah, yeah, I, that's I, what she wants to know. Yeah, I I don't. I've moved on. I to think a different that's thing. still a um, considered the team is considered an entity, just like a person. Yeah, so I search it by agent within the MLS, so I'm thinking it's a, it's it's by agent, but it could be team. Yeah, I don't it might know. be. But yeah. that's a great question, Patricia. I'll take yes. a look at that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, questions are coming in fast and furious here for Tim. Um, this one's from Grayson. Jerry, loving the show today. Please ask Mr. Carson his thoughts on the University of Virginia and what role they should play when it comes to the foundation, scooping up real estate, taking it off the tax rolls, and potentially creating an affordability issue here. So that's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because on one hand, they're valuable to the community. For the on, economy. In the economy. Yeah. And on the other hand, um, you know, I, I think the, the tax issue is a concern. Now, I'm actually, right now, I have a property under contract off-market. I'm representing the owner, and it's nine rental units, all commercial, over towards the Berks Road area. And um, the good news is that UVA is going to improve it. Uh, and... It didn't even make market. So I think that's a problem. I mean, I, I guess my question is I ha you'd have to have a, one of the PA, PhDs or a PFA uh, determine, like, what is the benefit of the income that comes in due to the university and all the things that they provide the community versus the loss of the tax base. Um, I'm less concerned about the tax base personally. Also, don't mind. This is gonna, people are going to hate me for this. But I've also always been frustrated that a lot of the, the tax is put on the real estate uh, backs of homeowners. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more open now to user taxes and things where people pay for what they use, even though um, I don't love taxes at all. To answer the question, teams are considered as one. That's what I thought. Teams yeah. are considered one. But do you want to know what the, so when I do this search, I do within the MLS, which includes both originating mm -hmm. boards, mm -hmm. Bright and Carr. Right. Mm -hmm. If you pull out Bright, it, it looks a little yeah, different. I yeah. always do that because Bright's in that. Would you would you believe that eight hundred the top person or top seller is Bright agents at eight hundred and thirty six thirty seven three hundred and seventy million dollars? Then it then it drops to Greg is number two and Denise Remy, who we had mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. um, the last Wednesday, actually is number three mm -hmm. on, on the top three. But top number one is Bright. Right I'm not surprised because we get so much people in from Northern Virginia. Talk about that. Uh, well, it's been going on for years, and like I used to do a lot it's of really new picked construction up a in well, Green County. Data sharing. That's what yeah, we're. that's right. Well, I think so. I was on the board before we had the Bright integration, and I was a member of Bright when it was MRIS and Car and Richmond. You know, and then we had that pro that sharing agreement, and then that went away when the Car Car almost went with MRIS at the time, and I was on the board. And we didn't do it. And then um, so, but ever since then, since that the markets have opened up, there's no boundaries. And so you're, and I also think with the uh, lack of inventory, agents are going way beyond their geographic area. You know, my daughter in Norfolk is going to, she's married, she's going to buy a property. And I said, I could help you, but what I'd rather you do is pick an agent you like. Don't, yeah, don't he you, repped his daughter in Richmond. Right. Well, Richmond's a it, from, where different. I, from where I live. Not far. My it's like 40 over, minutes. Right. 45 minutes. Yeah. I can go from door to door. Yep. But let's talk about the professionalism, right? Yep. You know, if, if, I'm going to do a referral fee. I, if, if I have somebody that's outside of my, my sphere of expertise, mm -hmm. I just refer them out. Right. 
And I'm going to be like that agent's best friend and down like, there and <laughs> with helping my daughter. But you're, you're seeing, you know, I mean, I'm going to call it increase. like it is, 836 totally. of, of the units sold, according to mm-hmm. what I'm looking at. From outside car. Yes, from their bright, well, they're bright agents, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they could be actually living here and operating here, but they have a bright uh, MLS des- designation. Well, what are the odds of that? I'm sorry? What is the odds of that? How's it what? Of them living here. Oh, yeah, sure. I'm dealing with two deals right now. Okay. Exactly the same. Yeah. Okay. Same well, right? it's, been, it's been going on for a while. Like, I have a variety of, all my listings are so crazy because I have, like, industrial land, and then I have development land, and I have businesses, and then I have duplexes, and then I have office building and, and other things, and I do commercial leasing. And there's a huge portion of those people that are coming down for those things all the time. I mean, and and it's frustrating to me because they're all messaging me, can I show it, can I show it, can I show it? I'm like, well, yeah, send me your real estate license and your business card. And well, how are you we're required to do that by right. state law, right. right? Right. As long as you're a licensed agent in the state of Virginia right. and you can right. demonstrate that, right. we have to let them in. Right. Yes. And Olga wants to know what's considered uh, the average price for affordable housing now and this footprint. Ooh. I can offer this perspective, then I'll throw it to Tim and Keith. Um, HUD, the average household income in Charlottesville, now Morrow County, and, and this footprint in this MSA mm-hmm. is 123300 Yeah. Household income average, according to HUD, 123300 I was average. at a CEO conference a couple of weeks ago speaking, and I was with some folks from Miami. When I told them that number, they, they just fell. They said, <laughs> we're like at 90-something. So, look, if I pull out Bright, mm-hmm. uh, the top sales uh, team, is, it goes Slater. Greg Slater. Remy. Mm-hmm. Lindsay. But they're in the 90s. Denise Remy. 90s, 80 transactions. If you add Bright in, that's mm-hmm. that 800 yeah. elephant. Yep. Who's third? Comes, uh, would Lindsay, be Lindsay Milby. Lindsay, yeah. Which, yeah. again, it, the, these are these team, these are these team right. back to that team right. question. Right. Well, I'm I mean, not, Greg's got a great pipeline of new construction. Yeah, Greg. Greg um, is a huge new construction guy. You know, you have like uh, number five is Dan Conquest. Dan's a great guy, but yes. most of that Ryan. is Ryan. Mm-hmm. Ryan. Well, that's so. an in, that goes back to mentorship. When I came into business, they used to give out the million dollar awards, and I went to those meetings so I could identify which people was I likely to be able to model myself after. The first million dollar award, I look, I got wow. How come my checkbook doesn't say that? <laughs> Well, that's when we changed it to the Honor Society, which yeah. um, I will say I'm proud of that. It's the Charlottesville Honor Society. has gone 27 years. I've received that every year for 27 years. Good for Congratulations. You, yes. Me and Percy and uh, Percy and I and Pat Woodhill and somebody. And oh, those are- Woody Fincham jumping in the appraiser. Uh, realtors are required, he says, to be confident in the market that they serve. Yep. I deal with agents all the time, he says, that are coming from very far away and have zero knowledge of the market in which they are transacting. It's a very dangerous precedent. So the only reason we took the time to work on the Richmond transaction is our youngest daughter is getting in the business. Right. Right. And we're going to open up a little shop there. So we took about six months to understand the market and learn the market. And I spent a bunch of time over there. Otherwise, I would just refer it out. Right. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Just refer it out. I'm not an expert in that market. And specifically, I mean, Richmond is, you think our market's nuts? Richmond, you go two blocks one way or the other. It's a whole different, crazy, whole different world. A whole different. We were, we. I think we we lost thirteen houses, and the one that we won, we were t- one of twenty 
offers, and Jeez. that was a, a year ago. Well, that's the other thing that's happening to me this year, which is okay. I'm doing, moving a lot of stuff, but I've, had, I've lost more deals than normal because things are more volatile. Back to the affordable housing, I don't know if I told you this, but, you know, January 1 of this year, HUD changed their, their um, HUD numbers for rentals. And they went up significantly. Very much so. So in the city of Charlottesville, I believe a two-bedroom apartment is uh, 1400 a month under subsidized oh, vouchers. Oh, please, I will tell you. Thir I think it's um, 1295 1400 16-something, and 1800 So it's like I think the four-bedroom. Am I close? No, no. Keep on talking. I'm trying to find the data. So I believe, it's, I believe the one-bedroom is a 1295 or 1275 that's what they pay on a voucher and then the two bedroom is around 1400 and then the three bedroom is around 1600 and i believe the four bedroom is 1800 and 1900 well those went up so that's uh, because the 123 300 right. that's right. about 10 12 grand higher right. than it was last year Woody right Fincham says you're a fantastic guest tim carson oh man tell me thank you i'm also seeing this from jennifer and keswick this guest knows his stuff jennifer sharing that on the show here you feel um You've done a fantastic job of diversifying your business and your revenue streams. Yes, Some would say your business very vertically integrated. You're doing commercial. You're doing investment. You're doing development. You're doing off-market. You're doing residential. You're doing property management. You're doing consultation. Would you feel as confident in the market ahead if you were strictly a listing or buyer's agent? Um, I would... Yes, because I think you're either uh, a winner uh -huh. or a loser in this game. So, you know, I mean, when I started, and even recently, I would probably say 95% of agents fail in the first five years. So the answer is I would survive. And um, I would, I would, what I would do is I would spend prospecting. I'd prospect, prospect, prospect. That's what you have to do. You have to be out with the people. I mean, even if you're just going to go out and have a glass of wine and sit somewhere and get to know somebody, if you're like you're joining clubs that you're in, you're at the gym. Like when 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 I was even in better shape, uh, Gold's Gym, I would never ask for a deal. I walked around for ten years with a Century Twenty One water bottle. I know one year I made forty thousand from Gold's Gym, never asked for a deal. They were I used to walk through the gym. They eventually would be like, "Hey, there's a real estate guy." I'm like, "I don't want to buy the amazing you're working that out." So many real estate agents don't get that simple thing. Simple thing of sending a card out yep. and. You know, and we coach and mentor a bunch of folks. Yes. Well, I feel uncomfortable asking for business. You don't need to ask for business. Just be who you are. It'll come, yes. it'll come to you. Well, also, if you learn how to – so it's really easy. Like, you meet people, you greet them, you establish rapport, you find a common point to discuss, you gain their confidence, and then you let them know what you do. And then You're eventually – these numbers? This is going to rock your world. What? 2024 efficiency, uh -huh. 1392. Okay. One bedroom, 1415. Yep. Two bedroom, sixteen seventy eight. Yep. See, they just went up again. Three bedroom, twenty one one four. Four bedroom, mm -hmm. twenty six zero eight. In twenty three. Mm -hmm. So these are these are now the numbers for next year, next right? Year, they right. already set them. And that's and that's at the metropolitan. That's Almore Green, Fluvanna, and this and the city. So it's a six jurisdiction yep. region yep. that includes Fluvanna, yep. Louisa, yep. Nelson, Green. Mm -hmm. um, help me out, Jerry. Uh, Albemarle and Charlottesville. Okay. 23 efficiency was 1165, so that jumped from 1165 mm -hmm. to 1300. Mm -hmm. One bedroom was uh, 1172, that jumped from that to 1415. Mm -hmm. Two bedroom, 1400 to 1600. Three, I'm just rounding it a little no, bit. No, that's right. 1700 to 2100, yep. and four bedroom, 21 to 600. So anywhere from four to 600 bucks right. extra. Yes. Yep. What do you make of that? 
It ain't cheap to live here. Well, I think it's good it's going up because as we all wanted to uh, focus is affordable housing, and I, it's, it's a burden for the people that Why are that's the, important is now you people qualify that's right. for these federal programs that's right. at this particular point. Right. They still have to qualify for other standards, but it's easier to get them into an apartment. So they answer the affordable housing thing because that's kind of a hat that I wear a little bit. Yes, Dan I Pettit says he'll see you later on ACAC 10. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there every night. <laughs> so at today's interest, because I ran the numbers, at today's interest rates, in order to hit between 60 to 80% of AMI, so this mm -hmm. is this 123 number we've been mm -hmm. talking about, mm -hmm. you cannot exceed a $200,000 purchase price. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In order to stay within that 30 to 40% of your income right. Right, range that you yep. want to be in, yep. closer to 30 is better on that. Most people are closer to 50 right. at, this, at this point. So try to find something for 200 grand. Right. Oh, 200 grand doesn't exist. I feel you. This yes, question's sir. come in from Jason Howard on Rio Road for Tim Carson. Why has someone not tried to make the old Wild Wing Cafe space on West Main by the Tray Station work? It's centrally located in town. It's right next to the train station and has parking. Please ask Tim Carson this question. Well, I can tell you that when that first, I don't know if you remember the history of that, but it shut down one time, and then it opened back up with their different partners. When it did shut down, I was working with Awful Arthurs. We were there the next oh day, and we presented a letter of intent on that. Was Alan Kajin the owner? I can't remember who it was. Because Alan I, owns it now. Okay. Yeah, I think he was a minor owner or something. Yeah, maybe? now he's majority. Yeah. And so what happened is... He watches and listens. Yeah. So we went in at that time, and we offered them exactly what they're asking. I'm trying to remember what it was a month, but it was pretty expensive. Plus, we were going to give them $250,000 for their stuff in their personal property, and then it didn't work out. But like, I think... I, I think that um, a lot of these rates are so expensive. Like, it's the same reason that I go into Stonefield, and I'm so shocked that one of my favorite Italian restaurants is sitting there vacant. They're still probably paying rent on that. So so Trevinia? Right. Mm -hmm. Trevinia was yeah. 28K a month rent. Right. That's they're what still, they were paying. I'm sure they're still paying that on it. They just shut it down. I would yeah. imagine they are. It's cheaper to shut it down. Thank than, you. Than so let's talk about commercial because, you know, commercial is what you do. I do a little bit little bit of it. How you seen the current commercial market in Charlottesville, Charlottesville, Albemarle? Mm -hmm. Is it getting soft? Is it growing? Give me a So I'm also here. kind of an oddball because uh, I would say that there's a couple of brokers in town that I've always admired who I think I'm similar to. I hope that I'm not um, building myself up too much by naming their names, but like, you know, people like uh, Mike Peters and Roger Voisinet sure, and sure. Tim Michelle and different people, even Steve McLean. But um, what I'm seeing is that there's a huge shortage of commercial properties. Roger's watching. For uh, users that are considered like a retail office site. Like, for example, I've got amazing activity right now on the old Segura site that I have on the market for lease. And I've had a hair salon look Westfield at it. Westfield Road. I had a photography studio look at it. I have, a, a, like, a national firm for, what do you call people that make eye, do eyeglasses, opta, having a brain warp. You know, yeah, I, yeah thank you. Thank you. Yeah, eyeglass uh, people. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> These and, things, right? Right. So what the places that are, like, Strictly office spots, like for example, Glenwood Station is sitting there, and a lot of those properties are like older and beat up. They're just sitting there. But then, like I put a property on the market, the lower space at the Segura, gone in a day to a church. Then I had a garage next door, gone in three or four days for six thousand a month to a church. 
No, well, the, the space was to a church. Got it. The uh, next one was a garage. A garage, yep. And then um, I had people come into town, wanted to start a new therapy business, and I showed them a bunch of stuff, and I, I just signed a lease for them, uh, a build-out at the Better Living Building. Um, I've got a chiropractor looking. So these people that are like service industry or some type of business that want some visibility, so they want some type of a mixed-use location and a zoning that allows it. Now, the chiropractor wanted my Segura, but the Segura space zoning doesn't allow medical use. So, so Roger Voisinay says it's an honor to be compared to you. Oh, my Lord. He literally just put that in the feed. You tell him that we have to drink some beer. He will gladly do that. May it be a Labatt Blue from Roger Voisinay. Anything Canadian. The program right now. The Labatt Blue. Anything Canadian. So, Jerry's got the real bead on the market. This, this, uh, this executive suite. I agree. Uh, is it literally, literally to talk about this? I agree. Where, where it's going, right? Yeah. But, but their regional housing partnership did a roundtable or square mm-hmm. table. I monitored it. Mm-hmm. We had about twenty-one of stakeholders in it working on um, uh, developer incentives for Albemarle County. But one of the topics that came up, and I'd love to get your read on it, is to start looking at changing the commercial zoning, just like you talked yep. about. Yep. This is low-hanging fruit. It is that they can do yep. to allow housing in it to Absolutely. allow more mixed use in it, so that so so if that happens. What projects that you have in that brain that that would work? Perfectly? Neil Williamson is a huge champion of converting commercial to residential. Absolutely. Well, you know, let's let's pick a neighborhood that I couldn't get a business in two years ago. How about like Admiral Square? There you go. Okay, you know, like I, you, I I didn't end up working with them ultimately because somebody on the board had a friend, but. I, try, I wrote a letter of intent years ago for the um, autistic, national, whatever it is, the autistic. The Virginia Autism uh-huh, Foundation. To go in there and do the old um, uh, library space, and the shopping center turned it down, and the anchor store didn't like it. And they're all sitting there vacant. Okay, I have a... Well, that I, whole project, frankly, yeah. needs to be erased. Well, it does. But that's and an idea where you just here. go up top on that. But So I've even... You've also got... I've, there's a building up on State Farm Boulevard that I had somebody wanted to go into. And we went to try to write a letter of intent. We were told that my client's not corporate. And they wouldn't consider it. So you have... So to answer your question, um, I think that uh, that... I don't see many projects where you could immediately turn into housing like yeah, they did the in the downtown. But, but they should—that's the problem with this idea. But they should—they should change the zoning ordinance so at least it's in the back pocket right. to go ahead and do it. Well, let me give you—can I give you a quick example? I—I'll I, tell you on another show or in the future. But I have this or prop- something wet. Yeah. So I have a property on the um, in the Emmett Street quarter, which is nine units. And the current use has some retail and service industries, and then there's a second floor on it that has a couple of businesses. That zoning there has a limit currently of two stories. The new zoning goes six stories. It also has zero lot lines. It also has uh, the corner lot has, you can go 10 foot on the first story. And so that's what I see with some of the new zoning that would make a difference that might not be as much of an issue with not in my backyard. Like, that is one particular site that when I tell you one day, you'll be like, oh, that doesn't hurt anybody, and it's only going to improve that quarter. It's a rundown, beat-up structures. Um, and so I think some of that is what needs – I think the mixed-use areas is the key. So where this all came from was there was Rich – Stanley Martin Holmes, one, one of the great sponsors of the show – was at the table doing that in Scott's edition in Richmond. Oh, that's one of my favorite places. Right? I thought I went to VCU. There. I used to go there all the time. Which is exactly the what they did. Mm-hmm. They re, re, 
there was more industrial over yes. there than, yep. than it was commercial. Yep. But they retooled their zoning ordinances to allow it to happen. And I was just there last weekend because our daughter's right next to it. Yeah. Uh, I was just for the heck of it. It's said, so vibrant. No, I was for the heck of it. I said, hey, let's take a look at a one-bedroom oh. condo over there. You know how much you can, it's going to cost you a one-bedroom condo? One-bedroom condo in Scotts Mission? No idea. What, 400 plus? Double that. 800 for a one-bedroom? Brand new? Plus brand new. Brand new building. Plus plus that. But got some great breweries within Oh, my yeah. gosh. The place it's, is fantastic. It's a great place. So I think, I, I don't think there's a solution to the, so that's the thing uh, that I'm excited about is, I don't know if you if you mind me mentioning it, please. The, the, the new, the Charlottesville Foundation, the Car Foundation was just created, and I'm on the board of that. And um, that, to me, will make a very minor, small impact, but eventually I think it will make more because that is, um, the main purpose of that is affordable housing and other stuff. Um, and I, I, I'm on the board with Michael Guthrie and some other people that are pretty. Greg's on it. Pretty, yeah, Greg's on it. Greg's the vice chair, uh, along with, like, uh, Rachel Guthrie's Burns, watching. Peter McFerrin, Jenny Barefoot, and Crystal Harris, and Mary Catherine King. But um, that has an opportunity. It does to make a huge impact. Uh, it's a little slow start, right? It, well, yeah, but it's good. It's slow because well, if I could give you a thirty-second background yeah, on that, what please. I'm so excited about, or what I have such heart and love of this, is um, my second board meeting back in twenty-some years ago. I was on the board of directors and. Um, Jeff Gaffney was the president of CAR, and Ben Downer was the former former uh, chair, uh, chair president. And so, um, and on that board were people like Ray Cadell and I, and He's Robert watching. Ramsey, and a few, and Jimmy Duncan, I believe. And I was sitting there in my second meeting, and you know, I'm not a real bright guy, I don't guess, but I was sitting in there, and we had just done the budgetary review, and we determined that we had a of excess funds and profit at CAR that year. And, you know, CAR doesn't operate as a nonprofit, but it operates to try to be kind of a break-even so we don't have to raise dues. And so I'm sitting there going, like, well, we got got 100 grand left over. Let's and do it, so. you know, it's the middle of the year, and I'm listening to that. And, you know, I'm tr- trying to learn how to be a, a – I, I don't think – I always argue with CAR. I'm like, I think you're already a leader. They don't make them. They just teach you how to be a better one. So I was already trying to sit in there and learn stuff, but I was sitting there, and then Benton and um, Jeff brought in – a idea and it was we want to endorse a workforce housing fund and they brought in $13,000 in money that was donated to CAR by the widow of David Rothwell for educating realtors children and they came in and donated they wanted us to approve it so I was sitting there listening to this I'm like this is a great idea and I was like I have a question I said I'm I'm just a country boy but um I love the idea but isn't this like pissing on a fire and Ray Cadell was like what did he say pissing on a fire he's over there writing this down what, what did you say and i'm like yeah he wanted to steal it yeah and i was like because this isn't going to help anything and I, i'd like to know like why we're going to this is a great idea and obviously we have to do this but like why would how much money can we spend without a membership vote They're like 50 grand i'm like you just told us we have money i said i make a motion we donate another thirty-five thousand. we start the fund with the 35 to 12 and we do the fund it was like anonymous you know everybody not anonymous uh Unanimous. Unanimous, thank Unanimous. you. I always get those words confused. But anyway. That's my job. That's, you can't take my job. This guy's great. <laughs> cannot take my thank job. You. So anyway. My job is to create new words, to not take them. <laughs> well, that's okay. We'll have a few beers. Or just hit your finger with oh, a hammer, you'll get some new words. But long story short is. I can assure you that so won't be new for me. That, thank you. <laughs> so that fund was started, and I was so proud of Jeff and Benton to start that and the board to do it. But then what that where that started was then the the Realtors Association did three or four years of fundraising, and that grew to over $500,000. That's great. And in the first 
five years and or then something. Then we ended up giving it to PHA. Right, but we did. It was for policemen, firemen, yeah. nurses, and teachers. So we did put 50, 60 in there. Well, then about three or four years ago, I was asked to go back and be on a group to rediscover this, and we wanted to figure out how to sunset the fund and do all that. So we came up with some ideas on how to get people to pay them back. We offered it because there was no way to pay them back. So we changed our plan. We went to PHH, and we solved and we made incentives to pay those loans back. Because at that time, we had loaned out all the money we raised, and they were on mortgage loans on properties. Long story short, now those people are paying them back. So we now have two, three hundred grand maybe in our account, and we're going to have more paid back. And so this is a really great opportunity for us to begin fundraising to really get some money in hand. So, so let, me, let me add to how heavy of a lift this is going to be. Mm -hmm. So what do you think an entry-level purchase for a townhome is right now? Oh, God. 350? I was going to say 400. Brand so, new? 400. Yeah. So, if my work, so workforce, mm -hmm. your cops, your firemen, mm -hmm. this is the 60 to 80% AMI, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. This is not Section 8 or anything. This is, no, right. this, is, this is workforce thing. Somebody needs to come up with 200 grand because they only can hit that 200,000 for it. So, you have what, 300? Mm -hmm. So, in reality, you can only impact one person. Yeah, right. So we've got to take that 300 yep. and turn it into 30 million. Yep. Then we can make it difference. Right. And this is just a money <laughs> math problem. And it's, I, I'm just going to say this publicly. I'm probably going to get myself into trouble. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We live in probably one of the richest areas in the state. We do. And probably. Why, yeah. Yeah. And why, Definitely. in God's holy name, we can't raise that kind of money? Right. Maggie Walker in Richmond, mm -hmm. the, other, the only two land trusts in the state of Virginia. It's the Piedmont Community Land Trust and Maggie Walker in one day raised five million bucks. Good grief. Good grief. Knocked on a couple of doors. Yeah. Raised five million bucks. Yeah. One day. Well, it seems like it's doable. You know, the, the, the other thing, though, that I liked about this foundation, the other part of this where it was created, you were on the board for a while. And being on the board of directors at Carr, you know, you're presented all the time by people requesting donations for all kinds of things. So it was also thought that this might be a source to help CAR focus on the different uh, charitable activities yeah. like we did, homes, what yeah. was the senior so house? disbursement of funds from an organization like that should not be done at the board, of board level. It should be a separate entity, which is what you guys created. That's right. That's the entity. The board feeds you capital. Right. Then you decide where, where it goes. Right. That's how the for format should That's work. correct. And so this is a newly created So let me give foundation. you the address for the land trust. <laughs> Please do that. So, so I think that this is, I mean, this is brand new. We just finished six months of meetings creating it. Uh, we've got some money coming in from payback of loans. And so, you know, I think the ideal situation there is, you know, the primary focus of that is uh, the number one goal of this foundation is to advance the creation of affordable homes in the greater area. So here's an opportunity for you, sir. That's why I'm here. Um, I'm going to invite you to the next regional housing partnership meeting oh. because what we talked about was trying to create a fund and what happens is, is folks who want to donate money don't want to donate to a government, but they'll donate to a foundation. Yes, sir. Right, because you're, 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 you're a nonprofit, yep, right? That's correct. So I donate X amount of dollars. I get right. to write it off. It solves a problem. Right. So we're going to invite you to come talk to I and would, give us a pitch. Yeah, Michael sure. Guthrie and I are on the project team for fundraising. So Good. invite Michael, too, because I think a lot of him. Um, questions coming in for you. you got a couple. You got five elected officials watching you guys on the show right now. Um, what's the future of CARS Hillsdale Conference Center? 
I think it's um, going to be fine. We're, um, we're doing some studies over there. Uh, we've been, we actually, this was a good year for us to use as a conference center. And um, I was on the board back when we made the decision to, uh, to use that more because we were then paying for meeting spaces and all that. I think, I think that the, the primary focus of that is for the, the realtors. Um, and and uh, but I do think that it's been an amazing like real estate three right especially now when we had ten offices when I came over and we have two now we love being able to use car and go in and pay for a space and have a meeting everybody knows where it is you can park events that are there and so I think that I, I think it's only going to increase its value both to our association and to the community I haven't been on the board in a while I haven't looked at some some uh, uh, numbers in a while, but it's going to take a while before it balances. Well, this year's been pretty good. Yeah, but so it hasn't. Far. It hasn't. No. Well, and I actually was. Has it balanced ever? Well, the problem is, is it came Pandemic. on just before sure. COVID. So, so my big hard. thing when I was on the board, and I was so even when I was on the board with Ray Cadell and them, my second meeting, I told them, "You don't want me on the board because I'm most people's favorite asshole because I'm going <laughs> to speak my mind." And so I love I, those kind. Of I people. usually laugh when I'm so doing. Tell me it. exactly how you feel. Those are the best kind of people to do business with. So and you know and I I've, I've been compared to the 13th juror or whatever. But like you know I questioned the, the building that big conference center without more parking. But at the time they were also going to build a motel or hotel, not a motel, next door to the conference center. So that's one thing we're looking at right now is Spillover. how to try to get a little more parking on site, a little bit more parking. Also, one of the things we could do is if we build a wall in there, uh, when you come in the main door where all the, the conference areas, there's a place where you can just build one wall for a couple grand and you could completely shut off cars, offices, and then you could use it easier nights and weekends. And you can because there's not many places because to you got to park at Food Lion now if you got to if you got way too many people yeah. right and it they're talking like a reception wedding yes. reception is yep. what they're talking about mm -hmm. yes because they're trying to rent it out for that yep well, I, I, you got to cringe over there for that Keith yeah I don't think that's going to happen yeah, reception, yeah. But yeah. it's it, it, it's I, happened I've yeah. been to I've been to receptions yep. there yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I, I was on the parking. project team for that it, it parking is the big yeah. issue yeah I I I didn't. I didn't want it to be quite that big, but now that it's done, what I like is that we're using it. We're not spending money on our budget. So, look, the follow-up question for other meetings on this topic has been: Should this center be sold? You guys are in the business of selling stuff. Um, right now, there's no reason to sell it because uh, the leaders at Car have been very careful and conservative over the last 15 years to make sure that our association is protected financially without raising dues to a high level. And um, the big issue, if you want to talk about the history, is that back 20 years ago there was a big worry about the income stream of the MLS being uh, gone, which it almost happened with when the MRIS wanted to buy us. And I will just make this comment. Like, I was the one that fought and argued during a board meeting that I didn't think we should join MRIS. And, it's, funny, it's funny how you landed exactly where you And I asked for financials and things that I wasn't getting, and when I demanded them, Later on, somebody asked me if I had emotional problems. I'm like, yeah, I do. I want financials. I get emotional when I have financials. Um, and so as it turned out, we didn't do that. And that's good because if we had done that, what would happen is um, the MLS in Charlottesville, we're kind of its own little cliquish market. And, you know, uh, and so we can have our own MLS here. And because we have the sharing agreement with Bright, it allows us. I wish we could get a sharing agreement with Richmond and Lynchburg. 
That's what we really I think need. That's hap- I think yeah. ultimately that's where our industry is going. I agree. Right? Our industry is Isn't going. Isn't that called uh, Zillow? Well, <laughs> well Zillow's not that accurate. It, that's exactly right. Isn't and I that can call called Realtor.com? Yeah, you know the history there, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I was so, on the board when Zillow had to come to us directly absolutely. to get a feed. Yeah. You guys gave that away. Well, NAR gave that away. Yeah, NAR did. But I, I think that's like the news industry giving away the news for free in the beginning, and then trying to make it a paywall. Now. Shh, totally. So I, I think you're going to see these re- large regional MLSs, and they're going to be teaming up. So mm-hmm. Bright pretty much has got the United States at this right. point, right? Um, and and we're kind of in the middle donut hole yep. in it. And yep. you're going to start seeing a bunch of data sharing, I think, happening because that's just the way the nature of the business is 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 going to go. Is my two cents yep, for I agree. what it's worth. Well, you know, said we had my grandson's first birthday at the Hillsdale oh, Hot Dog Center. Yeah, and well, it worked great. Well, you know, going back to the commercial thing, this ties into that. So the commercial thing is even more segmented or segregated or whatever the word is because there is not one source for commercial. Oh, so, so the problem is like right. And actually, I will tell you that last year I was really proud. Uh, management Services and those guys came to me and said, "Hey, Tim, you've got." You know, you're one of the top dogs in selling rental property, and we want to get rid of some smaller units. So I'm like, oh, okay. I'm thinking it's like a duplex. No, I got 11 unit and something else and sold those. Um, but what they liked about me is that I belong to everything. So I'm already paying. So as you, it, for the consumers out there, they might not realize it, but the Realtors Association has an MLS that only has residential land rentals and multifamily, and multifamily is defined under four units. So you got uh, we got LoopNet, you got Crexy. Catalyst. Yeah. So you got Catalyst yep. as a local MLS, yep. but then Catalyst doesn't have. So then the regular MLS doesn't have commercial leasing, and then Catalyst doesn't have like little duplexes such a mess so then what you so then i belong to LoopNet. so then i also belong to crexy yeah and you know and me so too. Me and too then, on both and then i when i just listed this land in green county and i was proud i beat several other brokers it's 70 acres zoned industrial and b3 um right next to the industrial park i had to actually do this thing about driving around and then i had to go find all these comps and there was no way to get the data i'd like take an excel sheet and enter all the data in manually and do all my averages and come up with a price per acre you know if we weren't so busy here and we have the skill set to do it i would build a commercial infrastructure where the listings are unified in one space Mm -hmm. i would do it for and i would focus only on central virginia because when i'm going and sourcing all this stuff Mm -hmm. either for clients myself or whatever it's a pain in the ass. You feel my pain. It's a pain in the ass. You feel my pain. Yeah. It's and, clunky. It's splintered. And there's a second part to that. So you're 100% right. I belong to all of those yep, also. I know you do. And, and, but the other difference is, is that, you know, the ones that are part of CAR, they, they're real estate. They're realtors. Mm-hmm. Right? That, These other I was ones just going to say that. are not. Well, right? and take someone like, you know, and I love John. Johnny, John Pressoff watches the program. I yeah, see absolutely. him all the time. I love absolutely. JP. He's I mean, Tallheimer silos a lot of their listings and on the tall yeah mm-hmm. on their on their respective websites right yeah. and, and I they're not do, on the other so no but, but the difference right. on the commercial thing which is diff, the the big difference is it's very much so an, an interpersonal business it you, is i've got to reach out to you and say you look do. i've got the commercial a, thing is run by like what seven eight people probably yeah, and then and then there's the people that like Roger and I and other yeah. people, Mike Peters. I dabble in it. Yeah, and, and but you pick up the phone, right? You know, hey, I've got a piece of property out in Fulana yes. County. That's a gas station. You do. I need a client. Yep. Right. What do you got? Yep. And 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 
you know, that's a little old school, right? It is. It's a little old school how real it estate is. overall used to used to be done instead totally. of instead of on this. So that part of it I kind of like. Mm-hmm. But if you want to source data to help a client, it's a pain well. I would say that that part of this though is what makes the realtor more valuable. Oh, yeah. and especially in commercial. Yeah, commercial investment too. Yeah, and you yeah. know, like investment is crazy because very few people have any idea what an internal rate of return is or right. a cap, cap rate, rate. Yeah. or anything like that. Dude, I, I bet you if you pulled 100 people on Market Street or on the downtown mm-hmm. mall right now and you ask them to explain cap rate to you, four or five could get it right. Well, and on top of that, like I've developed my own little formula over the years. I remember one time Judy had a, 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 a REMAX um, training session and they were in there for hours studying rental properties and I walked in there and I'm like, how much is the rent on that? And I went, boop, boop, boop. Oh, it's worth this much. And they were like, Damn it, Tim. Dude, I've had, I've had brokers straight up tell me, say, cap rate is a worthless statistic. And I just laughed. Well, they literally have told me that. No, well, I think brokers. Cap, cap rate is. So, so let's take a moment. Cap rate's For good those be- who do not know what a cap rate is mm-hmm. and explain the cap rate. It's, it's the net operating income, and there's a, a rate of return that you would like to achieve. And when you work that formula, it gives you a value. And, and the rule of thumb is so real estate seven percent five to seven. Five, I, I think five to seven. Five to seven. I think yeah. seven. You're not going to get right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you know. Perfect I think, world is seven. Well, five okay, is when, okay. When I went and did the pricing analysis on several 10, 15 unit multifamilies, because it's also different. Because if you're talking about a com- really big commercial property, the cap rate probably is a good way to look at it. Because it's a lot of those are triple net leases. And so the income is coming in is just I'm income. I'm with Jerry on this. Cap rate is always an important thing. I agree. But the cap rates are not as important in residential multifamily. It's, I mean, it, there's a reason the why problem. MBAs focus on this Thank cap you. rate. But I, in residential First rentals, I, focus on I prefer cap a cash on cash. What I want to see okay, is will yeah. the property pay for itself, and then will it leave a little bit left over, return on your initial investment? Unless you've got a buyer that wants to park money for 1031 and right. don't really care too they don't much care. about the you cash You've got a right. dozen comments on the feed to bring Carson back to the show. At least a dozen comments of div- 12 different, 13 different people Literally all over social saying, bring Carson back. Oh, I'm so honored. Thank you, man. I, will. I sincerely mean that. Um, closing thoughts for everybody. We're 1130 here. Anywhere you want to go, closing thoughts. Um, the only thing I would say is that um, what you're doing here is really powerful, and I appreciate it. And, you know, it's hard with all the information out there to get some real information. And I love how objective you are, and I, I appreciate the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Keith Smith. Uh, we're coming up on 550, us together. 550 shows. Thank you. You are welcome back. We yeah. just got to map it in, and we'll get it done, and maybe we'll fill a, a fourth seat, and we'll go have a lot of <laughs> We'll see if Mr., you know, somebody that you know, uh, wants to join us, and we'll go back and forth and do a, do, do a little bit of chatting. But thank you for the kind words, because you got me to stutter a little bit, which is difficult for me to... Uh, it's hard for me to look at this. I'm stuttering. Save me, Jerry. Get, get me off of the set here. Keith Smith, guys. Thank Real you. Talk with Keith Smith. Archived online at realtalkwithkeithsmith.com. Michael Guthrie says Mozzie Vogler puts out a nice weekly real estate data report that he checks out. Michael Guthrie, you're welcome Thank to you, the Michael. show anytime as well. Judah Wickhauer, the man behind um, the audio and visual. Thank you to Judah Wickhauer. Tim Carson, A-plus people. Keith Smith, A-plus people. The I Love Seville show is up in 57 minutes. Thank you kindly for joining us on a Wednesday. Take care. Thanks for the save, Jerry. Thanks, guys. Absolutely.